Welcome to the show. Welcome again, Craig Picking, returning co-host of the program. Uh, glad to have you back, Craig. How's everything? Uh, welcome home. Good to see you. Good, man. You're back in your Virginia office. Yeah, man. I'd be lying if, if I told you I was missing 82 degrees, blue skies, and sunny every day on the beach in the UAE, but uh, it is good to be home. Four seasons. You got four seasons now. In a snow-filled driveway, I've got a shovel. So. Uh, but anyways, hey, we've been talking about the great resignation and then the great refocusing. Yep. I haven't really talked too much about the great refocusing, but we've talked a lot about the great resignation. It's all over the news. Uh, we're starting to hear more and more about the great realization. And I wanted to get your take on this. I've done a couple of blogs talking about the great realization which is, you know, essentially people are not happy. Uh, and and the, the, if you, you know, the silver lining, if you will, with uh, COVID is that people had a lot of time, a lot of downtime at home, out of work, a lot of it due to un unfortunate circumstances. But people did have a lot of time to really sit back and think about what am I doing? Like, why am I going to work? You know, am I happy at work? You know, what's going on in my life and what needs to be changed, which has led to this journey of self-discovery, self-examination to finally achieve what we call self-realization. And the realization has, in many cases, resulted in people thinking about their jobs and thinking, you know, I'm not really happy here. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to resign or I'm going to change jobs. Why are people resigning? Um, unfortunately, there's three to four million people who have who have what's called COVID long. They're basically mm -hmm. long term disabled now. You know, there's another three and a half to four point two five million people that have just dropped out of the workforce. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have seen their stock portfolios rise. They've seen their home values rise. And instead of hanging in here until 65, 67 years old, they're, they're retiring now in their late 50s. Yep. There's another three to four million people. Mostly uh, women professionals who have dropped out of the workforce because they want to homeschool now. I mean, you've yep. heard all the issues about the public schools, CRT and, and the mask mandates. People have just had enough of it. So that's like 10 to 12 million people right yep. there that have dropped out of the workforce. So that's kind of the great realization in a nutshell. But I want to talk about the great realization that that's where people you know, I believe are really, you know, analyzing, uh, going through a lot of self-examination about like, what am I doing? So what are your thoughts on this? And what have you seen in your executive search activities? So, yes, the great resignation is happening for a lot of different reasons. I think a lot of people, you know, like I'm 57. A lot of people my age are dropping out. They're going, hey, like, I don't need to do it anymore. I'll just tell you straight up, my home the value of my home on the beach has doubled in 18 months. If I put it on the market, it would last less than five minutes. So my net worth just went up exponentially. My stock portfolio, you know, my very semi-conservative stock portfolio is up 30 or 40% since the beginning of COVID. I could drop out if yeah, if I didn't have my own business, but I'll tell you what I'm doing is I'm starting to think about my own business now. And I'm going, all right, what can I do? 
I'm not thinking about resigning. I'm thinking about where can I take this thing differently? You know, yeah. get more coaching, get more kids involved. Yeah, look, I, I love to coach kids. I love to coach businesses. You know, you think, okay, so that's the resignation. No, I'm not thinking about dropping out, but I am realizing, hey, maybe there's a little bit more to what I want to do. And then yeah. the refocusing comes. And I think that's, look, I think it's a natural, it's a natural thing, you know, to go, you know, the one thing I I will I'll caution people about is that a lot of people are just resigning. I was talking to a guy the other day, he's a GE. He works at GE. And I go, all right, who's headhunting you? And he goes, Honeywell. I go, why would you go from GE to Honeywell? You know, what's different? It's just, there it's just geography. Right, yeah. You know, it's, you know, you're trading a general manager job at GE for a general manager job at Honeywell. Big, why? Why don't you go to, why don't you go to a small business and take it to the next level? Or why don't you, know, hey, if you're really good, why don't you go start your own thing? Yeah. If you're going to change a known for an unknown, mm -hmm. and i.e. switching jobs, there better be a qualitative reason, mm -hmm. as you said. Here's some encouraging facts. On the great realization, okay? So, I mean, you and I have been kind of painting a picture of great resignation. There's not enough people, but here's some encouraging facts mm -hmm. as highlighted by the job aggregator, Indeed, okay? Mm -hmm. And in a study conducted by Forrester, okay? I was really surprised at this. 50% of people believe now that expectations around work happiness have increased. So... Mm -hmm. Half the people believe now that happiness is expected in the workplace. 97% of people felt true happiness at work is now possible, okay? 92% of people said how they feel at work impacts how they feel at home. That to me, oh, absolutely. revelation. I mean, I tell people this all the time. You need to change, a, change your job because you're obviously not happy because unhappy at work is unhappy at home. Yep. Uh, most respondents said they'll leave their job if not fairly paid. That's 30%. Yep. Uh, but here's the kicker, man. There was a different study done by Microsoft on hybrid work, okay, in which 40% of the respondents said, and I quote, I am considering leaving my firm this year. It's 40%. This is a call to arms. The number widely reported previously by multiple surveys was between 20 and 24%. So think about that. Roughly twice as many people now are considering leaving their jobs in the next year. Yeah. That to me is astounding. Yeah. Well, but uh, but I'm going to throw it back. I'm going to throw it back on these people. I think hybrid work is a great thing. Freeze up people's time. You know, look, you know, you're not commuting an hour each way. You're you're not you know, dropping off dry cleaning. You're not, yeah, you know, whatever else, all that stuff, all the superfluous stuff in life. You know, what it does is it frees up people, you know, to work an eight-hour day and not have to worry about the bookends of commuting, which really makes it a 10-hour day, right? And, and it's exhaust. So hybrid work works. But I look at it like I, I go, I go two ways here. My job as an employer, what is my job as an employer? My job as an employer is to give people the job that they're best qualified at in a very respectful work environment. That you know, When I say respectful work environment, look, there are demands that will be placed on people, right? 
I will show you, here are the demands of you. You will be respected, you will be included, your opinion will be valued, and you will be fairly compensated. That's my job as an employer. The job is of an employee, and I and and I, you know, I look at it as a small business person. So my focus is a little bit different. Yeah. There's nowhere to hide in a small business. So that's where I'm coming from. Your job as an employee is to show up on time, prepared, and to do the job that you were paid to do for the very best to the very best of your ability. And 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 my opinion is if the pl- employer is doing his or her job well and the employee is doing his or her job well, it's a very copacetic environment. Yeah. Where you see a lot of friction is when the employer goes off the rails or the employee goes off the rails. And, you know, obviously people are people. You know, people will do what people do. Yeah. But that's a lot of that's a lot of where I push back on. You know, the a lot of employees are out there. Well, I'm a I'm a person and I deserve more. Okay, well, maybe you do. And you're right to go find that place that's going to give you more. But you know, employee has employer has expectations too that need to be met. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned uh some of the drivers that there's actually in a different study, which I'm gonna cite here in a All right. second. I can prepare today, man. Yeah, so, man, you did. In a different study, there's actually an identified. 12 key drivers to providing happiness in the workplace. You've already mentioned five of them, actually. So this study was done by happiness experts at Oxford's University's Wellbeing Research Center in London, England. The, the two people that conducted this study were Dr. Jan Emmanuel Dinov, obviously a Frenchman, and an individual named Dr. Lubernerski. Okay. Uh, and for anybody who wants to study, I'd be more than happy to send it out. Mm-hmm. So there's 12 drivers, okay? I'm going to just list these 12, and we can go back and talk about a couple of them, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, number one, this is something that, that 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 you already mentioned. Belonging. People have to have a sense of belonging. Energy in the workplace, number two. And these are not in any, in any sort of prioritized order. Number three, mm-hmm. appreciation. Number four, this is a big one, purpose. Company must have purpose and Mm -hmm. it must be communicated. The next one, achievement. Is the staff given regular feedback on their progress? Okay. Compensation. Mm -hmm. Are the employees being fairly compensated? Yep. Which is very important now because compensation levels on the insurance side in Washington, D.C. marketplace have gone up 12.3%. In just nine months. Uh, another one, support. Is the organization team-oriented? Mm-hmm. The, the next one, learning. Are the employees given the opportunity to learn new things? Are they challenged? The next one, inclusion. Are your employees being respected, particularly in a diverse workplace? Now, HR has come a long way in doing this, but I'll give you an example. My my brother has a private equity firm and they manage a fruit and vegetables firm that does a lot of packaging. It's a lot of blue collar stuff, you know, people picking fruits and all this kind of stuff, uh, bagging and packaging. He just recently hired a bunch of uh, Pakistanis and Afghans. He has to make arrangements for these people to have 
the available time and facilities to do the call to prayer. We talked about this flexibility. You know, is it going to be a remote workplace? Is it going to be hybrid? Is it going to be eight to five? But whatever it is, you have to remain flexible because mm-hmm. there's a lot of single moms out there and single dads now. Kids get sick and all kinds of stuff. Another big one, trust. Do management trust staff and vice versa? Mm-hmm. Probably not, okay, in most workplaces. And the last one is management. This is also, I believe, a big one. And it it's really management versus leadership. In other words, mm-hmm. do your senior executives lead or manage? Yeah. Because in my book, management's easy. Management, you can go to a management seminar. You can read a book on how to manage, you know, do reports and accountability studies and all this kind of stuff. Annual reviews, leadership. You and I talk about this a lot. Leadership is extreme ownership and really leading by example up and down the line. So those are the 12 things. I mean, none of the above mentioned, I I don't think is very difficult to implement. It just takes time and focus. And the winners of tomorrow are not the firms mm-hmm. with the best equipment and the best technology. It's the ones with the best talent. I, those I are the differentiators. The best talent. Those best, are the winners. Best talent always wins. So it's interesting. The what purpose, do you think about that? I, no, I think it's spot on. Um, you know, I think I think it could be nailed down to employers. Employees want to go. People want to go to places where it's like a marriage. Am I valued? Am I respected? Am I treated well? That's it. You know, you you, you have three things. You know that when when you know when each spouse in the marriage feels valued, respected, and is treated well. Yeah. the marriage will last. When one of those falls out, the marriage will crumble. And that's every personal relationship. The, uh, right, the, the, the sense of purpose has been coming along. You know, look, I, I truly feel, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the youth of today. Um, you know, a lot of people, if you read the Wall Street Journal a lot, sometimes I think I read it too much. You know, they talk about woke campuses and they talk about all this stuff. and I, I sort of go the opposite direction. I think kids today really are smart and they can see through the BS of the quote unquote woke because they see what works and what doesn't. You know, yeah, if, right. I, yeah, if, I, if I study hard, I will get an A. If I don't study hard and I make a lot of noise, you know, that doesn't get me an A, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, yeah. So, you know, I'm sorry. Look, you know, life is a meritocracy. You know, and but, but the sense of purpose is the one thing that people have been saying for a long time. If I don't see a reason to be here, yeah, I, I, you know, if you don't have any social purpose, or if you, if I don't see a reason that this business is going to make a difference in the world, I, I really don't want to be here. And you know, and that so can't I, be just a mission statement in a nice frame above the receptionist desk. It's got to be, right. again, the leadership. The leadership of the company has to communicate that up and down the line. What is the purpose here? You know, why why am I coming to work? You know, and you can frame this a lot of different. You can frame this a lot of different ways. You know, a lot of um, you know, I'll just I'll just use two pariahs right now. Two industries that are pariahs. Oil and gas and defense. Okay. You could talk about oil and gas. If I was a CEO of an oil and gas company and I really needed 
strong, smart, younger talent to come up and, you know, natural attrition. And what am I telling people? Now, here's the purpose of the company. The world needs oil and gas right now. But we're going to plow 50% of the profits back to green energy because we see the direction it's moving. And for us to survive as a company, you know, we're going to have to transform too. But it, it's not a black oil and gas, no more oil and gas, green energy. It's a sliding scale. Help us get there. There's your purpose. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Defense. You know, I remember you know, my dad, when, he, when my dad, when I was young, you know, my dad worked for Honeywell and Honeywell was a big defense, you know, was a big defense um, company back during the Vietnam War and with the protests and, you know, some lady came up and she came to me and she said, your dad kills people because he worked for Honeywell and it was a defense company. And I'm thinking, but I think about like the defense companies, I go, you know what, look, you know, look at Ukraine, look at China, look at the, you know, the aggressors of the world and you go, defense companies are serving a purpose and they're keeping the peace. There's a purpose to there's a purpose, and it's how you look at that purpose and what you're here to do today. It's you know, is how you find your mission in life. I think maybe that's maybe that's a little too complex. Maybe that's just too too weird a thought. I don't know. No, I think uh, it has to be communicated though. Right. You know, I mean, people have to hear that, and they have to you know they they have to look at the leadership as their mentors and the leaders of the company actually doing. What they say they're going to do you know uh, mm -hmm. i think in your example uh, chevron's a really good example of a company that's investing a lot of you know money back into green energy on on the pipeline side you've got enbridge i think they're dedicating like 30 percent of yeah, general motors lead general motors general ford motors. you know all going all going to the uh they're you know hey look they're all they're all seeing it everybody's like I, I i was just thinking about it today 10 years you probably will there I, I doubt you'll be able to buy in 10 years an internal combustion car you know, they're all and pushing. the other thing is, uh, you know, you, you've got to provide learning too. I, I, I think number eight on this list was learning. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important too because I've got clients who are very strong advocates of their people getting certain, uh, you know, uh, industry certifications, mm -hmm. like in the property and casualty side, you get a CIC or a CPCU, and on the employee benefits side, you get CLU. You know, all these certifications. And uh, from the candidate side, it's very empowering to be able to start accumulating some of these certifications because certifications mean money. You know, yep. it makes you more valuable. And a lot of employers look at certifications as like, well, if Mary Sue is going to get another certification, then she's going to be more valuable and probably leave the company. And my advice to him is you, you should encourage yeah. Mary Sue to get the certification so she can provide better service to your clients. Why worry about her leaving? I mean, come on, man. That's like that old, that's like that meme that used to go around LinkedIn and the internet. It was like, you know, CFO, why should we invest in all these people if they if they're just going to leave? And the CEO comes and says, what if we don't invest in them and they stay? You know, and, and uh, you know, it's it's that old adage, right? Yeah, and and uh, look, there's this guy I mentored for a while. He's he's a sharp guy. He just he lost his way a little bit and came. He called me up out of the blue and said, "Hey, could you help me out on a couple of things?" I'm like, "Sure, I'll help you out." We just talked about his value in life, and he, it was like, "Yeah, this, he's like, you know, yeah, yeah, he's he's getting his college degree. He's got a great job, and now the company wants the company's asking him, "Hey, what are you going to do when you graduate?" 
He's like, I said, what's, what's your answer then? He says, well, my answer is I look, I plan on sticking around the company and being a great, you know, being a great value to you, but you got to continue to invest in me. I want my black belt. I want my, yeah. This, you know, if you give me, if you invest in me, man, I'll give you everything you want. If you don't invest in me, it's a very short conversation, right? It's that's yeah. just the way of the world. Another one I think is big is is overall trust. You know, does the staff trust the management? Now, in the insurance business, you know, insurance agencies tend to be, you know, owned and operated by family. You know, right. A lot of the small ones do. And I represent small ones and the big guys, but just talking about the small agencies, you know, two employees to like 25, trust is a huge issue because, you know, they don't have a, a business process in place. Like some of the bigger guys do like Marsh or Aon or Willis. All this is like business process and everybody gets reviewed at the same time. And if they say you're going to get a 3% bonus, you're going to get a 3% bonus. But when you get into these family operated organizations, you see a lot of mistrust and it, it really hurts them. And I counsel them to be careful what you, what you put out there in terms of expectations, because whatever you say, you have to do that. You can't change your mind because if you do, you're going to destroy the trust, yep. particularly as these guys do that own these small agencies, they pull up in the park line every day with a brand new Cadillac Escalade. Yep. Or they're always going away on a month long biking cruise or something. I mean, mm -hmm. Your staff sees that. And if they feel like they're shortchanged, they're going to leave. So trust is a huge issue, I think, particularly in these smaller firms. You know, look, at the end of the day, here's, here's the reality of the situation. It is less expensive and more beneficial to pay a great employee a little more than you want to than it is to have a great employee go out and quit and have to replace them. Oh, yeah. You know, that's where people start to miss the boat, you know, because replacing people, a revolving door of people, one, it shows an unhealthy organization, but, but two, it, it creates a lot of superfluous expense, retraining, you know, getting a new book of business, you know, getting the person up to speed into the organ, you know, yak, 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 yak. There's a whole lot of that. Whereas you just had a great employee and you said, great job this year. And we're not talking about the bottom 20 percenters. We're talking about the top 20%. Yeah. yeah. No, great. I, I totally you know agree. Yeah. You know, it's like, Hey, look, you, know, you earned your $10,000 bonus. We're giving you 12. Yeah. Because it's all about talent. It's not about the equipment and the tools anymore. It's about the talent. Talent mm -hmm. is that differentiator. If you have yep. top talent, you're going to kick ass. I mean, yep. I recruited for an insurance agency in the Tyson's Corner area. They had nine people, which was probably seven years ago. Mm -hmm. They brought me in to recruit a core executive team. Mm -hmm. They got over 60 people now. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Six times growth. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it's because they hired good people at the top and they were able to recruit other people because people saw the mission there. They saw the purpose. Yep. They saw a firm that was kicking ass and taking names later. Everybody wants to be on that team, you know? Yep. I think about Black's Tire and Auto blew out a tire on my track. And I went over and I talked to them and I, the customer service was awesome. 
And then the guy's like, I'm like, do I do, you know, this bothers me. Is it a problem? The guy's like, yeah, he could have made it. He could, he could have easily taken me for a ride. And said, you know, I need a new, told me I need a new rim. He goes, no, nah, we're just going to grind that down. You'll be fine. You know, it was a $700 rim. It's like, no, nah, you'll be good. You know, I, I will, you know we're just going to replace the tire and yes, you know, 200 bucks, whatever. But the guy's customer service, you can tell he was just an awesome dude. And it's like you trusted him, you enjoyed yeah. doing business with him, you liked him. You know, I'm going back there. He was a happy guy. He's a happy guy. Yeah. Happy guy just wanted to be, you know, and, and that it's all about, yeah, you know, but it's all about people and people, but it's all about I am valued, I'm respected, I'm treated well. And I think the last leg of the stool that kind of fits all these 12 things, people communicate with me. They communicate their intentions. Yeah. Well, good, man. You know, uh, thanks for joining me again. These 12 key drivers, you know, I don't think are very difficult to implement. A lot of it's common sense, but, you know, sometimes you have to, and I, I do have one client call me up after I put this out on my blog and said, I made a list of these 12 things. And he says, I'm going to be more thoughtful about what we do around here. But he says, I, I made a list of these 12 things. I typed them out in a piece of paper. I got it on my desk. Yep. And I'm going to be very mindful of these 12 things. I said, fantastic. I mean, if one person makes positive change, it's all worth it. Yeah. And I think it's like you said, it's the great refocusing. And the great refocusing just comes back to one question. Why are we here? Yeah. You're right. And that's cool. But we'll do that next time. The great refocusing. I don't think anybody's done that one yet. We'll do, we're going to do brand new fertile ground. We're going to be breaking, man. We're going to do this. <laughs> All awesome. right. So again, you know, just to kind of wrap this up, these 12 things are not difficult to implement. It just takes a little time. It, it takes focus. And remember, the winners of tomorrow are not the firms with the best equipment or the best technology. It's the ones with the best talent. Yep. And talent always wins. And those are the winners of tomorrow. So, Greg, thanks a lot for joining. I love having you on the show. Appreciate it. The great refocusing, man. Next awesome. time. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com. Or check us out at www.northstaresg.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.